today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Because outwardly we decay day by day, but inwardly we renew day by day. So we put off this old body, this flesh, this tent, corruptible, and we put on in a fraction of 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 a second to the tenth power. I'm just using that as an example. And we put on our glorified bodies. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. It takes a lifetime to wear out a body. While our time on earth is but a fraction compared to eternity with the Father, the acquiring of our new body will take place in the twinkling of an eye. As Pastor J.D. shares in today's message, Lord, come quickly. Hopefully our bodies will last as long as necessary. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 60 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word and for this time that we have to come to this, your church, and open up our Bibles and open up our hearts and our ears and our eyes to see. Lord, many of us I know come to this Bible study, having had one of those weeks, maybe just one of those days, just all the stresses and pressures, and especially with everything that is happening in the world today. And this Bible study for us represents a sanctuary, a solace, a respite even. It's that time where we can just come here and put all of that aside and with the help of the Holy Spirit just give you our undivided attention with no distractions so that you can minister to us and speak into our lives in and through your word. You always do, Lord, as only you can. And we're so grateful to you for that. Lord, for any that are really struggling, that just need a word from you, just hungry and thirsty, knowing that only you can satiate that hunger and that thirst, Lord, please, we we are pleading with you and begging of you to do that which only you can and always do, Lord. We want to leave here different than the way we came here. Perhaps we brought to the Bible study a burden, a trial, a challenge, a difficulty, a hardship. And Lord, we just want to bring that to you and leave that with you where it belongs. We just want to cast all of our cares upon you because you care for us and you love us so much. Lord, thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our time together in your word. We have a very interesting chapter again before us, but we need for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and our guide. So Lord, will you, will you speak? Please, 
Your servants are listening, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so the chapter before us again, very interesting. I know I again say that every week, but it's a powerful prophecy concerning Israel, which will be fulfilled yet future in the kingdom age. That 1,000 year period of time on earth in the millennium before eternity future, the new heavens and the new earth, after the second coming, which is after the seven year tribulation, which is after, I come, I'm going backwards on this, which is after the rapture, which is before the seven year tribulation, we can go for it if you want, which is before the second coming, which is before the 1000 year millennial reign. You know, it's interesting, I was thinking about this uh, in anticipation of teaching this chapter, but we talk a lot about the rapture, nothing wrong with that. We talk a lot about heaven, eternity, future, the new heavens and the new earth, nothing wrong with that. But we don't talk very often about the 1,000 years. Let that sink in. That's kind of a long time. A thousand years? I mean, how old are you? Just minus 1,000. That's how long that period of time is going to be. And by the way, and this is going to be germane to our understanding, because we're going to get into some interesting details concerning the kingdom age, the millennium. But it's going to be on earth, and it will be what the earth was like before sin entered the world. Think about that. And during this 1,000 years, Satan is going to be bound in the bottomless pit. Uh, one thing real quick on that, I don't want to spend too much time, so I want to get into the, the chapter, but it's very interesting that it is an unnamed angel, not even an archangel, that is told to go down and cast Satan into the bottomless pit where he will be for 1,000 years. I'm thinking to myself, really? <laughs> Just an unnamed angel? What is he, an intern? This is Satan we're talking about. And it only takes, we don't need the whole heavenly host. And by the way, God Himself certainly doesn't need to do that Himself. He just sends an unnamed angel, go down, just cast him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. And so He does. And that's what's going to happen. You know what that means, right? Now not for us, because we're going to have our glorified bodies. This will apply to those who somehow are able to survive the tribulation, neither having taken the mark of the Antichrist, nor having accepted Jesus Christ. Somehow they will be able to survive unspeakable horror during the seven year tribulation, particularly the last half of the tribulation. And they will not have taken the mark. Now the problem with that is, as we know from Hebrews, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. So if they don't die during the seven year tribulation, what's God going to do with them? Oh, they're going to enter the millennium. 
and they will have bodies. Now, if this, if this is too much, I'm just teaching you the Word of God. And don't take my word for it. Be a Berean and search the Scriptures for yourself to see if what I'm saying is true. But what the Bible tells us is they will have children, and their children will have children, and their children's children will have children, and they will have the same bodies, not the glorified bodies like us, because we're going to have our glorified bodies, and we will be seated with Christ, ruling and reigning with Christ for 1,000 years, as His bride by His side, in our glorified bodies. That happens at the rapture when the dead in Christ rise first, and they get their new bodies, and then we who are alive and remain, as Paul writes of the Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 51 and 52, that we will put off corruptible in the twinkling of an eye, which is not a blink, it's even faster than that, infinitely faster than that. And we put off the old body, that alone, because outwardly we decay day by day, but inwardly we renew day by day. So we put off this old body, this flesh, this tent, corruptible, and we put on in a fraction of 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 a second to the tenth power. I'm just using that as an example. And we put on our glorified bodies. And this all happens in the twinkling of an eye, and we are caught up, and we're, we're going to have our... <laughs> I've already put in my order for my new body. I don't know if God's going to fill the order, but there are some things I want in my glorified body for all eternity. You know, like hair. I would like to have hair that doesn't, you know, anyway, enough of my problems. So, so at the rapture, we get our glorified bodies, but... During the seven-year tribulation, there are going to be those that will not accept Jesus Christ, nor will they accept the mark of the Antichrist. They will somehow, amazing, survive the seven-year tribulation. And at the second coming, they will then enter into the millennial kingdom with bodies like Adam and Eve had, which is why they will live for a thousand years. You know when God pronounced the curse upon Adam and Eve and said that you will die in the day that thou eatest of this fruit, this forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in that day you shall surely die. Uh, <laughs> a thousand years for the Lord is like, I mean a thousand years for us is like one day for the Lord. And they died within that period of time, exactly as God said. And not only was it a physical death, but it was a spiritual death as well. So they will enter into the millennium. They will have bodies like Adam and Eve had. And they will have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren and so on. And throughout that 1,000 years, then at the end of the kingdom age, this is a very brief, it's not so brief, <laughs> but it's brief enough uh, explanation. So at the end of the 1,000 years, if you can believe this or not, Satan is loosed, and then it's decision time, and there will be those having lived in this righteousness, enforced righteousness, 
not having the devil there to tempt them, they still have the propensity to sin, the sin nature, as Adam and Eve had. And they will have to make a choice. And would you believe that at the end of the millennium, some will choose to reject God after all of that time. And then they will be damned for all eternity at the end of the millennium. I know it's a, it's a lot, but... So that's the kingdom age, and that's what this chapter is about, and that's what this prophecy about, and, and it is specific to Israel. However, it does have personal application to us as Christians, especially in this last hour of human history as we know it. And if you think about it, the parallels here, this was written to the Israelites in Isaiah's day, pre-Babylonian captivity. And so it was a prophecy about this captivity in Babylon, and it was yet future. And when they would get this prophecy, they would need it like never before in their lives. Because heretofore there have been prophecies about the judgment of God on his people, and he's going to use the instrument of Babylon to mete out that judgment so that they'll turn back to him, which is what they do. And they needed to hear this. They needed to know this, that yes, (laughs) I did judge you. It was a just judgment, but now here's what you have to look forward to. And we're going to, as we're going to see here in a moment, just the deep darkness, the darkness. And now God says, okay, now it's time for the light, the light of the world, when He rules and reigns, and all will arise and shine. By the way, one last thing. I haven't used one last thing yet. Of course, it's too early for one last thing, but I haven't used them all up yet, but here you go. You know how many sayings that we have that come from the Bible? This is one of them, by the way. Rise and shine, right here. It's called plagiarism. They're plagiarizing the Bible. So I actually did a search one time on how many modern day sayings actually come from the Bible. And one has counted something like 85 of them. There's a fly in the ointment. We saw that when we were in Ecclesiastes. Rise and shine. That's right here, Isaiah 60 verse 1. And I mean, all of these sayings come from the Bible. Eh, Are we surprised? Anyway, this is one of them. So the next time you say a rise and shine, you're quoting Isaiah 60 verse 1, which reads, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. And then verse 3, very interesting. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. So here's God through the prophet Isaiah 
saying, okay, now it's time to rise and shine. The light has come. Yes, you've been in darkness, you've been under the judgment of God, but the time will come when you will rise and shine for your light, your Savior, your Redeemer has come. I want to draw your attention to verse 3. I think it'd be grossly remiss if I didn't point this out. It has, um, for lack of a better way of saying it, an interesting qualifier of sorts, and I'll explain what I mean by that. It says the Gentiles shall come to your light. Okay, well now you automatically by default have delineated now between Jew and Gentile. It's either one or the other, because a Gentile is someone who's not a Jew, So you're a Jew or a Gentile. Now in Christ there's no distinction between Jew, Greek, Gentile, Arab, Hawaiian, Japanese, Chinese. I'll use all the E's. You know who you are. Portuguese. Don't forget the Portuguese. So no distinction in Christ. But here we have a distinction. And the question needs to be, why would God inspire Isaiah to write about the Gentiles coming to the Jews because they're attracted to their light? And not only the Gentiles, but the kings as well. Here's what I'm thinking. This speaks to the false teaching of replacement theology. You know what replacement theology is, right? It's this false teaching that God is through with the Jew, and the church has replaced Israel. That is a, (laughs) I don't know how to say it, except just to say it. But if you replace Israel with the church, and by this lie, you've got some serious problems. Example, There is now a teaching that is sadly gaining some traction, and it has to do with the body being the temple. Not a literal temple in Israel, in Jerusalem. So if you replace the Israel with the church, now all of a sudden there's no Israel. And now you got the church instead, so what are you going to do with the temple? Oh, we'll just make the body the temple. So there's no temple in the seven-year tribulation, the third temple as we refer to it. Well, now you got an even bigger problem, because as we're about to read here in chapter 60, there's actually going to be a temple in the millennium. How about that? What are you going to do about that? Replacement theology, false teacher? Uh, My Bible says there's going to be a temple in the tribulation that the Antichrist is going to commit the abomination that causes desolation. That's a literal temple. I can see why you're doing that. You're twisting it into a pretzel prophetically, because if you replace Israel with the church, then you got to deal with a lot of problems, <laughs> a lot of prophecies, a lot of passages of Scripture, and this is one of them. What are you going to do about the temple? Well, we'll just make that the body. So now follow through with me on this. If, the, if there's no temple, 
That means that the abomination that causes desolation is going to take place in the human body because we're the temple. No. Nice try though. That's pretty smooth actually. I'll I'll give you that. It's a literal temple in Israel because God is not through with the Jew. I won't go that. I, I think, did I do that last week? The whole rap about God is not through with the Jew, nor do we want Him to be through with the Jew, because He has a covenant with me and you too. And if God is through with the Jew, I'll give you the brief version. If God, <laughs> if God is through with the Jew, then how secure are you? Because He has a covenant with me and you too. And if He's through with the Jew, then, and He has a covenant with the Jew, which by the way is an everlasting covenant. Last time I checked, everlasting means everlasting. I know deeply profound. But God's got a covenant with the Jew, and has a covenant with me and you too. And if God is through with the Jew, then how secure are you? We don't want God to be through with the Jew. He has a plan for Israel. And by the way, I'll say it again, I hope you don't tire me saying it, but the purpose of the tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. And this is another problem that these replacement theology people have. It's a huge problem. Because if you replace Israel with the church, then you put the church into the tribulation, which is why they have to do that if they kind of play fast and loose with the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture. Because if you place the rapture anywhere, but at the beginning, prior to the seven-year tribulation, then you thrust the church into the seven-year tribulation. And that's not the purpose of the seven-year tribulation. We're already saved. The purpose of the tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. It's the 70th week of Daniel. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob, Israel, not the church. We're not in trouble. (laughs) Israel's in trouble. They owe God that last week, that 70th seven. They owe God that. And God's going to make them make good on that. And that's what that 70th week is, that period of seven years. It is for Israel and for the salvation of Israel. I don't want to, oh, we got to get moving here. We're only to verse 3. Stop doing that. (laughs) Verse 4, lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then, verse 5, you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. And here it is again, the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Wow. This is the ultimate fulfillment of Israel's restoration, which will come after the horrors of the seven-year tribulation. Doubtless you've heard that saying, that it's always the darkest right before the light. You know, right before the sun comes up in the morning, that is the darkest time of the night, right before the light. And this is one of those principles, you see it replete throughout the pages of Holy Writ, that that tribulation, that period of darkness always comes before the light. Verse 6, the multitude of camels, 
I just think camels are hideous, and I'm an Arab, and I shouldn't probably feel that way, but you know, whenever we go to Israel, for those of you, and, and some of you have a- actually asked me, why don't you ride the camel? You will never get me on a camel. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Isaiah is an interesting one, as the prophet Isaiah spoke things that God wanted the people of Israel to hear, but they just wouldn't listen. Little did they know that much of what Isaiah spoke had bigger significance than they could have imagined. From beginning to end, the book of Isaiah touches on Jesus Christ coming later on. It refers to the announcement of his coming, his birth, his good news of salvation, his death, and his return to claim his own. Wow, what an incredible insight into the future. Sometimes things are plain right before our eyes, and we just aren't willing to see it for what it is. Although the people were ignorant in that present time, God used Isaiah to speak to them anyway and to proclaim the good news that was to come. Do you know of this good news? If not, we'd like you to check out calvarychapelkaneohe.com and head over to the resources page. There you'll find the ABCs of salvation, which goes into a step-by-step understanding the good news of Jesus. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and to look for more things God wants to teach you in this book of Isaiah. Looking forward to next time here on In Spirit and Truth.